prayer is, my prayer is that, that you would see the beauty of the Holy Spirit. Um, as we're in Romans chapter 8, that you would just see the Spirit as something beautiful. And that you would, and that we would become more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here's why. Because the scripture says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? When the Holy Spirit is present and working in our lives, there's freedom. When we try to hide from God, when we try to, you know, go off on our own and do the things that we want to do and follow the flesh, um, we're, we're lost and we're missing out on the freedom that God has for his children. And so that's my prayer for you, that uh, more of the Holy Spirit, more of his presence, then uh, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, as we look at the Spirit in the midst of, sometimes life doesn't go the way that we want to in the, in the, in the midst of our suffering. Um, and it seems like in Christianity, maybe in some of the con some conservative churches, um, we, we put all of our focus on, we put our focus on God as Father, right? And we'll put our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We will put our focus on the cross and and we'll spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. We'll spend a lot of time talking about the Father. But um, when it comes down to it, right now it's the Holy Spirit that's, that's living in us. He's the one that's dwelling in us, working in our lives. He's the one that's counseling us. He's the one that's comforting us. He's the one, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that's strengthening us in our faith. And so our prayer needs to be, God, I want... We have all of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance of salvation. We have all of the Spirit. Our prayer to God is, God, make me more aware of the presence of your Spirit. Because as we looked at a couple weeks ago, only the Holy Spirit living in us can put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. We, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. And so now we get into this, and we get a little farther. Um, our text this morning is going to be from Romans chapter 8 and verses 26 through 30. And um, we need to remember that Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's encouraging them in their faith. What is the, what's the, kind of the, the big idea? What's the, the big purpose of the book of Romans? What's the purpose statement, if you will? What does Romans 1.16 say? Thank you. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God into salvation for the Jew first and then for the Gentile, right? That is his purpose in writing to the Romans, to not be ashamed of the gospel. And um, when we think about the words suffering here, and we think about what Paul's saying in terms of, of suffering um, what he's going to say here, we need to tie it back to Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. He says, now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, he says this, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It sounds to me like there's sometimes where we enter into sufferings, right? It's not just stuff that's coming at us. We enter into suffering with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, he says, I consider that our present suffering, sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed into, to us. Paul is writing to a church that is, that is being persecuted. They, I mean, 
He is writing to persecuted believers, and that's why he's going to say what he's going to say here at the end of Romans chapter 8. Um, and we may, it may be difficult for us to identify with that. And so we're going to kind of take a broader purpose here. Uh, the Americans, we, we, don't have, we don't suffer a lot, really, do we? I mean, if we think about suffering, how many of us are, are really persecuted? Um, how many of us are really suffering because of our faith? Now, this, this does happen. Um, and and um, I was at the Capitol a couple weeks ago listening to a senator um, who is, is kind of on the front edge of of the, the pro-life bills that are trying to be passed in the, in, the state, in the state of Iowa. And listening to him talk about the attack that he's been having on his faith, um, he's been going through some suffering. People do not like him. People hate him. Um, people write letters of hate to him. He is on, in the forefront of suffering for the sake of what the scriptures say about life. Um, so there are people who are suffering. We know of all over the world the church is being persecuted. Maybe not so much in America, but maybe it, maybe it is in America when people speak out what happens to, to believers. They suffer for what they say. We're labeled as, as those who, you know, hate people. We, we don't, we're full of hate speech. And there's, there's a sense where I think what he's talking about here is that we are suffering for the sake of the gospel. Um, and there, there's suffering that's happened all, happening all over in the world. Why? Because things are broken. We live in a broken world. Um, and, and all of us, some, some way or another, have experienced suffering. Have you have experienced suffering in, my, in our lives? Have you experienced suffering? Yeah. No? And this, there's this temptation, I think, when we suffer to start asking questions like this. So where's God, right? You ever ask that when you're in the midst of something? Um, God, I thought when I signed up to be a believer that um, this all gets better, right? Um, well, that's what the prosperity gospel says, that if I, you know... If I, if I receive the Lord Jesus Christ, and I, then I'll, I'll get everything, and everything's going to be added to me, and it's all going to be great, and I'm going to be rich and happy, and, and uh, I'm going to be able to fulfill the American dream, right? No. That's not how it works. That's not what, that's not what we're experiencing. That's not what I'm experiencing. Um, there are times when we suffer, and we ask ourselves the question, so why is this happening to me? Right? You ever asked that? And, and when will it all end? When is the suffering going to stop? Um, and we looked at last week the idea of suffering, that, that all of creation itself is groaning. <laughs> because why? Because it's waiting for the glory of God to be revealed. All of creation is groaning. It's, it's in this waiting period for, for everything that's true about Romans to actually come true when the Lord Jesus Christ descends and when, and when he makes all things new. We're waiting for that. And until that time, the, the creation's groaning. And it says also that we who have received and tasted the first fruits of the Spirit, we're groaning as well. You ever groan and just, you're just like become overwhelmed with what's going on in the world? Do you ever 
feel that, the weight of it? I can see that some of you do and some, some of you don't maybe. We, we feel the weight of that. And we may ask ourselves, God, what are you waiting for? Where are you? Why are you not coming now? I asked that prayer a lot. I asked that prayer a couple of weeks ago when I went to the Capitol and listened to this senator. God, what is going on here? When? And this scripture that we're going to look at this morning, it gives, it gives me hope in the present. It gives me hope for the present where I'm living today. And it says this. It says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. And we do not know what we ought to pray for. Now that, I'm sure that happens to us. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. And you'll know these verses. <laughs> and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called and those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Amen. And these are, these are the things that we, if, if you're in the midst of suffering right now, you should write these verses on a card, put them on the mirror in your bathroom, and read those things every time that you look at your face in the mirror in the morning. And Paul ties this, he says, he says here, in the same way, he says, in the ESV it says, and likewise, uh, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And so he's saying there, just tying verses 24 and 25, he's saying, in the same way that hope of the future glory sustains the believer in the here and now, in the midst of whatever it is that we're suffering, in the same way, the Holy Spirit is right there with us. And what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's praying. God prays to God. The Holy Spirit is there praying, interceding for us, because there are times where we don't know how to pray. And the Spirit says, it says that the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And those weaknesses are evident, aren't they? <laughs> Physical weakness. There's some of, some of you that, that are suffering tremendously. I got a call this week from, from Kathy. And Carl, uh, Carl and Mary Lou aren't here this morning. Because, and you noticed that last week, Carl didn't make it even into church last week. Because he was in such pain that he couldn't even, he couldn't even stand it. He, had, he has so much pain right now in his, in his shoulders that he just can't hardly even stand it. Um, physical weakness. Lack of strength. I mean, God, I can't, I can't endure this trial. Sometimes it's moral weakness. We just, we fail. And it says that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. That should give us comfort that the Spirit's there. Jesus said this, didn't he? As we kind of come to Easter, here's some things that Jesus has, has, set, has said at the end of his ministry. He's comforting his disciples in John chapter 14. 
And he says this, and he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And we realize that, don't we? The spirit, the the world does not see the Holy Spirit, nor submit to the Holy Spirit, nor have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But you know him. Those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ this morning, you know the Holy Spirit. And said, Jesus said, because he lives with you and he will be in you. And then he says this. I love this. And it ties back to our adoption. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. Gus pointed out last week that um, this idea of, of adoption, and, it, and it's kind of like this, you know, we're, we're waiting for this adoption as sons and daughters of God. We're waiting for that to be revealed. The paperwork's already been done. It's already in the process. And we sit here and wait. And so we can see, we've tasted, we've tasted what it's like. I'm not going to be stuck in this orphanage anymore. I'm not going to be stuck here for the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to a home where there's a warm bed, where there's clothes, where there's food on the table. I'm looking forward to those things. And it's just God's saying here, and he's been saying in this text, that it's, it's like as this has already happened, and yet, as, as Gus pointed out, it's, it's not yet. There's a sense that we're waiting. And now that we've tasted and we've seen the glory of God, we wait for it. And the Holy Spirit waits with us. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the spirit of truth. And he's going to be in you. That's my seal. That's my, my covenant with you. The seal is I'm going to be with you. And so God is present in our suffering. We have to remember that. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And there are many times in our lives where we need a counselor, right? We don't want to admit that because we don't want to admit weakness, but we need a counselor. We need someone from the outside to help us gain perspective on what's going on inside of us. Sometimes it's a human being that we need to give us that perspective. The Holy Spirit is with you. Showing you the truth, giving you, giving you perspective if we'll humble ourselves and admit that we're weak. And you know what? Trials and suffering, they have a way of bringing us to our knees. A way of bringing us to that place where we're dependent upon, upon hopefully, God. And I'm saying to you as believers, don't despair. If you're suffering and you're in weakness right now, do not despair. The Holy Spirit is there with you. And he goes on and he says that um, <laughs> we don't even know what we ought to pray sometimes. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit groans with us. He feels the burden of our weaknesses. He feels the burden of our suffering. And where does he go? He goes to the Father and he prays for us. You ever been to a place in your life where 
you don't even know what to pray? You ever gotten there? That's not necessarily a bad place to be. Just so you know. It's good for us to be there. You know why? Now we're at the end of our own reasoning. We're at the end of ourselves. And now we're depending upon the Spirit. There are times in my life where I don't even, I don't even know what to pray. Sometimes it's for some of you that I don't even know what to pray. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to say. Spirit, you've, you've got to help me. I need you to pray right now, Holy Spirit, because I don't know what to pray. I cannot see what the will of God is in this situation. Well, guess who knows the will of God all the time? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of God because the Holy Spirit is God. We should be relying on the Holy Spirit, shouldn't we? The Holy Spirit knows what to pray. He knows what we need in our weaknesses. And sometimes we just groan, right? And, and it says that the creation's groaning. We're groaning ourselves. And then it says that even the Holy Spirit is groaning. You know that groan? Like it's, it, it's the idea here in the Greek. It's like the Holy Spirit's like a deep sigh. You ever done that? You ever just sighed deeply? And been out of words? How many of you have kids? <laughs> right? How many of you have kids? And your kids do stuff. Sometimes stupid stuff, right? And you look at them, and you, and you just stare at them, and you're like, man, what do I say? I don't even know what to say. And this is what you do. You just go, <sighs> and you shake your head. Right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit does that. The, the Holy Spirit groans with us when we're doing that, when we're groaning. He sees the brokenness. He sees our circumstances. And he looks forward and longs to the day when, when all of this process that we're going to look at this morning will be made complete. You know, Jesus groaned in his ministry. Again, we're coming up to Easter. And, um, his good friend Lazarus died. And Mary and Martha and a bunch of Jews are there and everybody's weeping. And Jesus waits a few days. Um, so Jesus is late in coming. And, um, and, and it says there in John 11, it says that and Jesus saw them weeping. He saw the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. And it says that he was deeply moved in his spirit. And he was troubled. The Greek word translated there is groan. And Jesus groans in his spirit. And then the shortest verse in scripture is Jesus wept. He weeps. The Holy Spirit feels your burden. He feels your weakness. He feels, he feels it when you're suffering. God is present in the midst of your suffering. And the Holy Spirit prays for us. And he prays that we might be led into the will of God. Because we don't always know what the will of God is. And so the Spirit steps in. The Spirit intercedes for us. 
that we might live according to the will of God. And it says that he who searches our hearts and minds knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And he goes on there then, and he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's going to answer, what, what do we know? What is God's will for us? He's going to answer that question here in the next three verses. God promises that good will come for those who love him. He promises it. And it says there in verse 20, it says, and we know. Hey, maybe you don't know how to pray. It says we don't know what to pray, but here's what you do know. Here is what you do know. You know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God and who have been called according to his purposes. We know that God is faithful. We have to hold on to that promise when we're in the midst of our suffering that God is faithful. And we know that God is a father because he's just revealed that to us. He's just said that, is, that, that God is a father that we can cry out to and say, Abba, Daddy. And what father would not want to give good things to his children? What father would not want that for his kids? Not even earthly fathers want bad things for their kids. Do they? I hope not. You better not, fathers, or you need to get in check here. But God is the perfect heavenly father, and he wants good things for his children. And so what do we know? We know that God promises that good will come for those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. And it says there that all things work for good. You believe that? <laughs> sickness? Do you believe that that's, that's true in sickness? All things, he says. All things. What happens? Why do all things work for good? Why does he say that? Look back at Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. He's talking about suffering here again, and he says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. All things work for good, even in the midst of suffering, because suffering produces character. It produces patience in us. <laughs> Forces us to be patient, doesn't it, while we wait? <coughs> Suffering also, uh, and while we wait for the promises of good things, um, some of the all, all things work together for good things can be that it, it produces empathy in, in us. I read the scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of compassion and the, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. That's the Holy Spirit comforting us in our troubles. And it says, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we have received from God. God doesn't waste a hurt in your life. It doesn't mean that God causes the hurt. It means that God can work things for good and use that hurt to help someone else and maybe comfort someone else in their, in their weakness and in their time of suffering. I know Chris isn't here this morning. I was going to talk about Chris. So one of the things that Chris has is, is struggled with is anxiety in his life. And you know that God has used Chris as an elder of this church to help people who have anxiety. Now, do you, does he want that trial in his life? Does he want that suffering in his life? Not at all. Anyone who struggles with anxiety would say, I do not want this in my life. But God certainly uses that anxiety in Chris to be able to empathize with others of you out there who struggle with anxiety. And so God is working all things for good, even when we don't see it, those who have been called according to his purpose. And then sometimes the all things, there are bigger things at play than we can even understand. Right? It's not all character development. It's not, it, sometimes it's things that he's doing external. Sometimes God has a bigger purpose for us that we can't see. Drew pointed this out to me in the message community on Thursday morning. And we talked a little bit about, about Joseph. Think about Joseph's life. Do you think that Joseph really understood what was going on when his brothers betrayed him and they threw him in a pit and then they sold him off as a slave into Egypt? And then he gets there and he's still doing the right thing. And he doesn't succumb to Potiphar's wife. And instead, because he won't succumb to her advances, he's thrown into prison. What was God's purpose for Joseph? God had something much bigger in mind. God had the purpose of saving a nation through Joseph. The wisdom that God had given Joseph to govern an entire nation is what kept the Egyptians from, from starving when they went through the famine. And so God has bigger things at play sometimes in our lives that we can't understand. I can identify with that because I know that in my own life, the hardest thing that I've gone through was the death of my mom when I was a young kid. And at the time, I could not tell you what God was doing. I could tell you I was angry. I was mad at God. I was questioning God, saying, God, I'm 10 years old. I need a mom. I, you, I don't understand why you, would, why you would do this to me. This does not make sense to me. But when I get 30 years from, from that time, I can see God's plan and see how God's sovereignty and his plan, he, was, he had this whole tapestry that he was weaving for my life that I would have never maybe entered into without that piece of it. Sometimes there's bigger things at play, and we have to trust in the promise that God works all things for the good for those who are called according to his purposes. How do we know that this is true? How do we know that that promise is true? Well, for one thing, because God said it. And God doesn't say anything that's not true. I know that sounds trite and simple, 
well, if you call yourself believers, then we have to believe. Like, we're believers. We are believing that this word of God is inspired, that it's real, that it's true, that it speaks to everything in life, then, then we're believing that this is true. And that's why it takes faith to believe this. It takes faith to trust that God knows what he's doing. For those who are wondering what God has for us, he spells out this promise. God has a plan for you. You know that? God has a plan for you. And I love these verses. Sometimes I'm afraid of these verses, to be honest. But I'm not afraid of these verses anymore. I love these verses. These next two verses are powerful. Here's what God says. He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. God has a plan for you, and this is his plan for all those who are believers in Jesus Christ. You want to know what God's plans are for you? This. It starts, he says, for those whom God foreknew. Um, that doesn't just mean that God knows kind of facts in advance, that he chooses people because he knows what they're going to believe later on. This word has such beautiful meaning. It, this isn't about like a cognitive thing that God just knows everything that's going to happen. This is, a, this is a word that describes a personal relationship. Think about it. You know someone. What do, when we say we know someone, what does that mean? That means that we're in a relationship with that person. And so God foreknew us. Long before the Christian, long before you knew God, God knew you. And God entered into, in anticipation, into a relationship with you. You have a hard time believing that? When I was studying, I was thinking about Psalm 139. I was like, I know it's there, God. It's got to be there. And so I read it, and, and here it is in verses 15 and 16 of Psalm 139. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And then it says this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, if you believe the Bible, then you believe that that's true. All the days of your life, God saw all of that, and he entered into that relationship and knew you. Long before you ever knew him, he was thinking about you. I love that. We had this saying in college, um, and this pales in comparison to what God does, but um, maybe you said this. She loves me, but she just doesn't know it yet. You ever say that? I mean, these cocky, you know, these cocky guys are running around in college, and we're, you know, we're strutting, and we're thinking we're, like, really good looking and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, when we get aside by ourselves, you know, we see this girl over here. I see Karen. Well, yeah, I see Karen. No, she, she actually saw me, and she says he loves me. He just doesn't know it yet. Right? No, but that, I mean, that's the idea, and that's kind of God, right? He loves me. He just doesn't know it yet. But I know it, 
and I know that I love him. I know that I've chosen him. I know that um, we're going to be together in one day. So God foreknows us, and he also predestines us. Predestination. We love that word, don't we? Um, think about it this way. God knows us in advance, he, and he puts that personal foreknowledge into effect. So God, God makes plans for us. God is there, and he's dreaming up, and he's giving us purpose. He's giving us destiny. He's filling our hearts and our minds with his dreams. You know, when my boys were born, I remember the day when Andrew was born. Sorry, Andrew, you always get this, don't you? It's not fair. But I remember the day that he was born, and I was so excited to have a boy. And what am I thinking as a father as I'm having a son? I'm thinking of all the things that we're going to get to do together. I'm thinking about the times that we're going to go hiking. I'm thinking about the times that we're going to play football. I'm thinking about the times that uh, I get to be his coach. I'm thinking about all those things and making plans and having ideas as I look at this child. Are any of those things able to happen right then? No, he can't do anything. He can just lay there in my arms. That's all that he can do. But I have predetermined and I have ideas of what I want to see happen. It's kind of like this. So Monty came up to me before the message and he said, we were talking about predestination. It's kind of like this. God has your life and your life is like this tapestry, right? Have you, ever, have you ever tried to sew those tapestries and you actually have them upside down where you start upside down and you're like, you're pulling thread work through there and you can't see uh, the back side of it looks really, well, this doesn't make any sense. When you turn it over, you see the full picture, don't you? You ever, you guys are like, oh, it's breaking down here. Never mind. But it's kind of like that. That we don't see the full picture, but God does. And God knows how all of it's going to be because he's outside of time and space. He's predestined us. Ephesians says it this way, for we were God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And what is God's, what did he predetermine for us? That we would become conformed to the image of his son, it says there in verse 29. That we would become conformed to the image of his son. That we would become Christ-like, reflecting the image and the glory of God in every way. That's God's plan for you. Even your body's going to be transformed. One day it will all be complete. Until then, this is a progressive change that happens in believers called sanctification. God is sanctifying us. Suffering produces character. Character, per perseverance. God is building us that we are becoming more conformed to the image of Christ. And the Holy Spirit's an active part of that. He says there that we would become the firstborn among many brothers. That's that adoption that we've been talking about. God, that we are going to be part of a Christ-like family. We're going to be part of this beautiful family. The paperwork's in process, but in a sense it's already a done deal. But we are going to, God has predetermined that we would be a part of this Christ-like family, enjoying 
eternity as heirs of, with Jesus Christ. The firstborn from among the dead. And then he says that those whom he predestined, he's also called. And let me say this about calling. God, God issues a call, a general call to all of creation. The cross was a call to all of creation. God's desire is that none would perish, the scripture says. His desire is that all would come to him. But the calling that he's talking about here is those who respond to the call of God, the effective call of God. This isn't the open invitation. This is mankind responding to the call of God in their lives. And so he calls us. And then it says that those he, whom he called, he also justified. And we've been talking about that in Romans for quite a while now. When God calls us, what does he do? He declares us righteous, not based on our works of righteousness that we've done, but based on his mercy for, for us. Christ's blood at the cross was sufficient for you. You have been justified. And then he says, in those whom he justified, he's also glorified. Um, and that's that glory that we're waiting for, aren't we? We long for it. We've tasted and we've seen heaven. We've seen what it can be like, and yet we're waiting. And we look towards that when we're in the midst of things, when we're in the midst of our suffering. We look forward to sharing in the glory of God. Think about it, I'll end with this. Think about it in terms of, of the military. Okay? Those of you who've been involved in battle, you go into battle, and you go in with some comrades, some friends of, that, that, that are friends with you. And the battle is fierce. It's hard. There's lots of suffering. There's lots of things that go wrong. There's lots of things that don't make sense. And then the war ends, and you come on the other side of the war, and what do you do? You, you, you share in the glory together with your brothers at arms. You share together in that glory. Ah, the war is finally done. It's finally over. And in a sense, that's where we're at in the Christian life. We are in a spiritual battle. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the devil and against his schemes and, and against the forces of evil. And there's going to come a day when we are going to be glorified and we're going to share in the glory of God all together as saints and believers in eternity. And we're going to, it's going to be amazing. And so we look forward to that. We look forward to when the war will end. We may even write letters home, <laughs> right? Just to make sense of suffering, just to look towards good. And so I want to encourage you, if you are in the midst of suffering, know that God is there with you. God is present in your suffering. God promises good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes, and that God has a plan, and we have to continue to look to that plan that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you, God, that all of your promises in your word will come to pass, God. Not one thing from this book will be left out, God. Because you're God, because you've given us the Holy Spirit, because you've given us your word as a, that you will accomplish these things. But God, <laughs> sometimes, God, we're in the midst of suffering, and it's hard, Lord. And uh, we want to just say sorry, God, that um, sometimes we lose heart and we lose faith. Sometimes we lose, we lose sight of you. Sometimes we doubt you, God. We doubt your goodness. And Father, I want to pray that this morning, Lord, you would draw our hearts, God, back in, and our eyes, God, back to, to heaven. God, that we would look up and that we'd, we would see your glory. And Father, would you, would your Holy Spirit be speaking to our hearts right now? Encouraging us, helping us, God, and will we be aware, God, of your presence, of you working in us while we're waiting? We pray, God, for more awareness, God, of your presence. Father, we thank you that you, you love us. We thank you that you have not forgotten us, you have not abandoned us. Lord, you're right here. And we want to say thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand.